All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I, don't, I won't cover the Canucks. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you, as always, by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order. Again, if you shop online, that is at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. They also have a retail location in Surrey, so you can go check them out in person. If you like to shop around, if you like to go look at the hockey cards, you like to go look at the Pokemon cards, whatever your trading card needs, Zephyr Epic has got you covered, so be sure to go check them out. Uh, Also, online at all of their social media channels. Lots of good stuff, giveaways, uh, all the latest information about the new packs that are coming out. And hey, Upper Deck Series 1 coming out for the 23-24 NHL season that's coming out soon. Be sure to check them out. Uh, Zephyr Epic, my co-host here, Chris Faber. You got a card there? You got a lobster shirt and a pink bow tie on. Hmm. That's your lucky shirt. It is my lucky shirt. So I got the. I don't know what this card is. I got the same one yesterday, but uh, it's just a different little set. The pole is a Dylan Larkin, and we got a Vancouver Canuck here at the back. Dakota Joshua. I believe this is probably his, one of his first cards, at least in the Upper Deck series. Dakota Joshua's first card in a Canuck jersey. So that's nice. I'll put that one aside right on top of this Louis Erickson Canucks card that I got right here. Yeah, I got my lobster shirt on today. The folks from the Maritimes are getting in. So you got to impress them. It's How do you feel? You're getting married in three days. <laughs> I feel pretty good, honestly. Work's stressing me out more than the wedding, so that's good. <laughs> It's yeah, been uh, got a lot going on. Yeah, for the wedding, I feel good. I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm ready to get there. Uh, f- you know, head out there tomorrow. Get over to the island. Going to go do a shop at Costco. Get some Gatorades and orange juice for the day, and then uh, pretty much, hopefully, just chill. I think everything's done. My fiance has been very busy printing out things, cutting out uh, cards. Her mom's been here for the last couple days too, so that's been a lot of help. And uh, yeah, that's that's that. I'm I'm just excited to get to the damn thing. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, the day is going to be Ooh. great. I'm curious. Do you, I wonder if the and maybe people who've gotten married can let me know in the chat. Does the day feel like really long or really fast? I I don't really understand. I've heard both from people that like the day is very very long, but also it flies by. So like, I don't know. I don't know what to expect on Sunday. I you're asking the wrong guy. I don't know. Every wedding I've gone to, I don't know. You, you have the and. Look, I don't mean to slag weddings right before yours, but you mm-hmm. have, and I guess I'll be more involved in yours, so it'll be a little different as a groomsman, but you have kind of the, you know, the the reception or the ceremony or whatever in the morning, and then you have this long window where you're with these people you don't really know that well, and even if you do know them, you don't want to talk to them for four hours, and then you're just there. Like, I don't know. I've been to some weddings where there's a go-home period where you go to a mm-hmm. new venue, and sometimes you got time to stop somewhere else on the way home. You stop... Uh, Stop at your place, you chill a little bit, maybe get out of the suit, put something else on. I don't know. That's going to be my, one of my favorite parts of the day. Aside from marrying the love of my life, uh, one of the favorite parts is going to be getting out of that suit because I went with the the tighter pants because it looks a little bit better. I wanted to go with the loose pair. That's what I would have done if it was like a suit that I was buying to wear to Canucks games or something. But uh, no, I'm going with the, the tighter one for the good, the good photos, right? Because we got a lot of photos to do, and that's the other thing. I need a haircut. That's tomorrow morning. Finally get my haircut. I didn't wear a hat today, so people are seeing the... My afro is just starting a little bit here. The fro's coming in a little bit. So, yeah. That is why I am wearing a hat. I have to get a haircut as well tomorrow. And I got to pick up our suits. I got I got a busy day. A lot, a lot is riding on me. I don't know if you should have done that for this wedding. You got a lot riding on me. Mm, I don't think so. All you got to do is pick up the suits. It's one thing. It takes four minutes. And they also are bringing it and out the get back my door. haircut. Well, I don't care about that. You don't have to do that. I asked my brother because my brother, we went and did the suit fitting with him yesterday. My brother's got a mop on the top of his head right now. Uh, and I was like, are you getting a haircut? He said, 
oh yeah, I'm going in for a little trim tomorrow. I said, okay. Not like I was going to force him to do it. Like, you, you know, my brother's a skateboarder, right? He's got the long skater hair and all that stuff. So I wasn't, let him live his life, let him do his thing. But uh, I just, I wanted to check. Like, are you getting a trim? Like, what are you doing? So, uh, yeah, excited for that. But I just, I want to get this thing going, man. I'm excited for it. Everybody in the chat here says that time seems like it's going to fly on your wedding day. Mm. So uh, it's an exciting time. Also, it's funny that you were like, yeah, there's a lot going on at work. Who knew that a wedding, the day of the NHL season starting, would mean that there's a lot going on at work right now? Who would have thought? Who would have thought, Chris? Um, Wednesday night, you were in Abbotsford. The Vancouver Canucks falling to the Seattle Kraken by a final score of 2-1. to You were there. You were on scene. Your takeaways from the game. We'll we'll get to it soon. We already announced Jeff Patterson on Twitter and everything. He's joining the show at 1.15. Uh, but in the 10 minutes we have till then, let's talk about last night's game. What were your takeaways? Uh, my takeaways was that was a lot of driving for not a lot of great hockey. It was a pretty, a very preseason game. Uh, the lineup, I guess, for the Vancouver Canucks wasn't the greatest in the second last preseason of the game, which is supposed to be a home game. I was expecting a little bit of a better lineup, but didn't really, uh, I don't know. It was, to me, it was really hard to actually gain some takeaways from that game. Like it was very boring. Very, I don't know how it felt on TV, but being in the arena, not a lot going on in that game. I'm curious. I actually, I'm like, I didn't talk to you about this. We haven't talked since the uh, before the show today. But like, how was it watching on the broadcast? Because man, that was one of the most boring. I've, I, we were all saying it out there. Like, you would get a lot more excitement from an AHL game. Honestly, like I've seen a lot more exciting games out there at the Abbotsford Center, uh, featuring the full AHL lineup. I was a, yeah, I was borderline snoozing <laughs> up in the press box in my favorite spot, but. I was happy to see Marcel. He was, uh, you've been listening to the show. He's mad at you for calling him Maurice. He doesn't know what that's all about, but uh, gave Marcel a big hug yesterday. Uh, so it was good to see Mars out there again. So my takeaways from the game, and yeah, yeah it was fine to watch on stream. Uh, Batch and Dan Riccio did a great job on, on broadcast together. Other than that, that audio clicking sometimes, that was that was a lot to deal with, but it was good. It was a good product. They, obviously, they, those guys do a fantastic job, but for the game itself, it looked like two close to NHL teams just trying to play very defensive. Like I think both teams were playing a very conservative style. And we know that the Seattle Kraken are a very, you know, systematic kind of team. Like they, they're very robotic in a way. Um, you know, they forecheck hard obviously as well, but, and we saw that last night, but with the Canucks, it looked like I was watching a game from the bubble like when they were playing the Vegas Golden Knights and they were just guarding that home plate area and there mm-hmm. wasn't much offense. Like I thought they played well defensively, but they didn't score at even strength. And that's going to be a big topic on tomorrow's show when I'm joined by Harmon Dial. Him and I were just kind of talking about what we're going to talk about tomorrow. We're going to talk a lot about five-on-five scoring on tomorrow's show. Um, Harmon's got a lot of good thoughts on that. But back to what I was saying about last night was it looked like they were really defending that home plate area, the Canucks were, and like, I don't know, it leads to boring hockey, right? Like, like that's just what you get when you have that. And it's just, you know, we know that the Rick Tockett system is going to be very defensive, very similar to what we saw from Travis Green right before he was fired when he tried to get the Canucks playing that very defensive style. Look, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You, you can't have too many takeaways from last night, but that was one of them was that I think the Canucks are going to be a good defensive team. Now it's about scoring at five on five. They played that game without their top guys. So yeah, maybe that defensive system, although they're playing it right, they're not going to generate the same level of offense that they would if they had Elias Patterson in the lineup, if they had Quinn Hughes, J.C. Miller in the lineup. So that was one thing. The other thing was that Philip Ronick looks really good. Like I, I thought he looked awesome last night. I, I think he's going to be 
you know, I, I've already given you the take that I think he's going to play a lot with Quinn Hughes and that we're just not seeing it a ton in the preseason, but that, you know, late in games that he's going to be able to just kind of mesh well with Quinn Hughes. I think you're going to see that. I really liked Philip Ronick's game last night. Um, Casey DeSmith looked good. That's like the main kind of takeaways. And the, the big one to me is, are you buying what the Canucks penalty kill is selling? Because to some extent, I am. Because the Kraken went 0 for 3 last night. Canucks successfully killed off the penalties. I know there was one goal that was scored right at the end of one, so almost one for three. But for the most part, they did look good on the penalty kill. And what impressed me the most, Chris, was that to some extent we weren't seeing, like their top penalty killers weren't on the ice, if that makes sense. Like like we were seeing it from all over the place. Like we were seeing Dakota Joshua. I thought he had a really good night on the penalty kill, just as one example. Um, I was liking that we were seeing it from other players other than the guys we're kind of expecting to be this team's top penalty killers i thought pew Suter was good on the penalty kill and i thought he was yeah. strong throughout the game he looks like he's going to be a fine little 3c right like and he'll chip in the goals here and there one of the big takeaways i thought from yesterday was like you can clearly see the seattle kraken's identity right like in that game like let's pin them in let's tire them out and let's just get some pucks towards the net and that's something that they did so well they were a tough team to break the puck out on and the Canucks, like, it almost watching yesterday's game gave me a real thought. And uh, We've had this discussion throughout the offseason. I mean, Sports Talk Radio loves talking about the identity of the Vancouver Canucks. And I felt like the identity almost showed yesterday because of the players that they were missing. The identity of the Canucks is, like, their stars are going to have to lead them to victory every night, right? Like, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, Thatcher Demko. The stars are going to have to lead the Vancouver Canucks. We've been wondering what their identity is for so long. Last night's game kind of showcased it for me. It's like, they're going to need to be led by their stars. There's not a guy in the depth of this team that's really going to go out there and win you games on a consistent basis. It's all about those stars winning you games. And I think we saw that on display yesterday. And that's a tough thing because, I mean, that's a lot on just a few guys. When you have a full roster of players, you're relying a lot on those stars to be the ones leading you. I think that's, I think we've cracked the case. Like, that is the identity of the Vancouver Canucks to me. And that can be a difficult thing, and I think they're going to try and adjust that identity a little bit more to fit what Rick Tockett's trying to preach to the players. If you brought it up, like the defensive things, and and really making a commitment to the defensive zone more than just going out there and scoring a ton offensively. But I don't know. Yesterday kind of just made me really think, like, this team didn't have an identity because they were missing their stars. I guess when their stars are in, the power play, you know, capitalizing on power plays, looking half-decent on the penalty kill is a part of their identity now. It just feels like they're building something here under Rick Tockett where – yeah, they're not at the level of having a, a, a stable identity like the Seattle Kraken, but at least they have something here that they can kind of work with. I did want to bring this up, and I know the ten nothing, um, the ten nothing score obviously uh, had like hurts this ratio quite a bit. But I was looking this up in the preseason. I know it's just preseason, and I saw Sakaris and Price had this poll question on their show earlier today, uh, asking about the one three and one record because it was another loss for the Vancouver Canucks in regulation yesterday in preseason. I don't really read too much into the preseason record. But through the preseason, and I know the 10 nothing is really going to affect this, but the Vancouver Canucks have the second-worst goals per 60 at 5-on-5 five five in the NHL, and they have the worst goals against per 60 at 5-on-5 five five in the preseason. So a little bit of a worrisome there, but I really do think that that 10 nothing score against Calgary really affects that a, like a lot, but it's still not a great thing to see throughout the preseason when you look at it as a whole. I wonder what it looks like without that game. Like, that's what I like about a lot of the baseball stat websites is you can kind of just take away one game. Although mm. baseball, Twitter, and people abuse that. They're like, if you take away this player's best season, this is their numbers. Anyways, uh, let's not focus too much on baseball. Are you really concerned about the Canucks' ability to not get scored on at 5-on-5? Because five five? you threw out that stat, and I, I think that's largely 
contributed because of that Calgary game. Because I think since that game, mm. they've done a pretty good job at keeping the puck out of the net. What worries me more is where is this team's goals going to come from if you lose an Elias Patterson or a JT Miller or not even lose, just if those guys aren't on their game because we've seen that before. Look, Elias Patterson, there's no question that he's now into that kind of superstar status and we're not expecting him to have any sort of dip in production like he did two years ago. Last season, he was pretty consistent all season long, but just the level of reliance on their top guys I don't I don't want to say it worries me. I'm just curious where the goals are going to come from, you know, at five on five. You know, if, if they get into trouble where a team isn't taking penalties against them and they, their power play doesn't have a chance to get cooking. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't think it's going to be as smooth sailing as I think some people think when they hear structure habits and we're going to get stop getting scored on a lot at five on five. You got to score too. You have to score. Yeah, and I think that's, that's what worries me more. That's where I would have liked to see the bottom six produce here in the preseason, right? When you're matching up against AHL lines or other teams' bottom sixes, and, and honestly, a lot of them were getting bottom six matchups, specifically in the Oilers game, right? Like you're getting a bottom six matchup against an Oilers team that, yeah, they sent some NHL players, but they're still sending a lot of their AHL top guys. You would like to see the bottom six win that battle, right? And I don't think we've seen that enough in the preseason, but it's also hard to judge completely because we've only really seen a full Vancouver Canucks lineup for one game. So you can take away a little bit more from this final game that they're going to have this weekend, but didn't really get an opportunity to see the bottom six really produce much offense, and I think it should be a little bit worrisome heading into the season. We'll have to see what the final preseason game looks like. I expect to see a very NHL roster. We saw the uh, the flip-flop of the AHL players. They got sent uh, back down to Abbotsford today, so they got a day off of camp yesterday to play in the game, uh, but they'll be back in Chilliwack today uh, getting back on Abbotsford Canucks training camp. You want to get to Jay Pat? He's here. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's bring yeah, him in. We'll continue the conversation tomorrow. Uh, like I said, Harmon and I, but now it's time for the newest contributor of Canucks Army to join the show. Jeff Patterson is here. Aaron, pull it up. We're, we're, looking, for a, we're looking for a title for the column that Jeff is going to write every Sunday. We announced it on Twitter moments ago. Jeff, I'll let you get a word in soon. But Aaron, uh, pull up this graphic we've got here of uh, the beautiful Patterson's Ponderings uh, graphic here. We're having a little technical difficulty, but I'm going to rattle off some of the names because we're looking for a name. And Jeff, my first question to you, other than how your day is going, is going to be off top of your head, which one do you like the most out of these names? The Pat Down, Patterson's Ponderings, J-Pat's Journal, Patterson's Perspective, 
Patterson's Pulse, and Do Something Sunday. What's your favorite out of those? Patterson's Pulse. Sounds like I'm going to be taking my blood pressure every week and, and posting the results on Canucks <laughs> Army. Um, look, I've got a lot of mileage over the years off uh, the pat-down. I can't remember who came up with that one, but uh, credit to somebody. I think it was a listener uh, generated uh, back in the 1040 days. So, uh, you know, it just it works, right? Like uh, after games, if I'm shaking down a game and, and coming up with thoughts like the pat-down. And, you know, I used to editorialize uh, back in the radio days. So, uh, can it carry over to this endeavor? Yeah, possibly, I suppose. Try and just milk as much mileage as possible out of the pat down. Quads is just like, is this a thing, Faber? Like, is he just an absolute stickler on alliteration? Because, like, from that day in Victoria where he was so excited about Patterson's ponderings and, like, just got absolutely annihilated along press row. And yet he's still, like, two weeks later, banging the drum for Patterson's ponderings, which I can tell you will not be the title of the call. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, Quad's like, when we're laughing at him, he thinks we're laughing with him. So he thinks gotcha. it's actually a very good idea that we're going with Patterson's ponderings. That is not going to pass by. As the associate editor of Canucks Army, I will not <laughs> allow that. I'm the idea guy. He's the intelligent guy, and that's that's not going to float with us. I think Pat Down sounds great. It's something you've had, and people know that as well. But we'll have to see. I, I The Pulse thing, we'll see. We'll have to see what goes on with that one as well. I think we might be able to work into it, but... <laughs> Alliteration is a big thing. I know we were, we were even talking about that earlier today, Quads, with another sponsor coming on board here, um, which I actually floated the alliteration into it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you're you're all on alliteration too. That's the Famous thing, Jeff. You're floating. There you go. There we go. Exactly. I think. But uh, yeah, Jeff, we're super excited to get you on at CA. I know it's. Uh, what was it? I think I saw in the article what ten years you were you were there at CA a long time ago. This isn't the first run for you with uh, the good folks there at Nation Network. No. Look what Drance has created uh, all those years ago. Uh, in fact, uh, Drance brought me on board the first time, and I do think it was a full decade ago. It was around 2013, back in the day where the idea of a blog having access to the locker room was just like this incredible, like people in the NHL couldn't wrap their head around it. Certainly people in the Canucks uh, front office couldn't wrap their head around it. And uh, my, how times have changed. And it's great. It's progressive now. And the fact that the work that you guys are doing uh, it's almost laughable to think that there was a time when that was, uh, you know, just looked so far down upon by the organization. So uh, Drance wanted to bring me in as a mainstream guy that had some access. And then the Canucks were like, hey, your press pass says 1040. If you're going to be contributing to the Canucks Army, we've got a bit of an issue here. So that was the first time around, pretty short-lived. Second time around was, uh, I remember... Uh, Drance orchestrated. Uh, I traveled. In fact, got to go to the draft in Buffalo 2016. Uh, remind me who the Canucks took in the first. No, don't. Uh, let's not do that uh, on the day that he <laughs> signs over in, in Sweden and his uh, days in North America are officially done. Uh, talking about Ole Levy, not Drance. Uh, but uh, yeah, and again, I was uh, sort of in between jobs and looking for an opportunity to you know, have uh, my voice heard in the market. And uh, Tom's been good that way. And, uh, you know, so the friendship was formed long ago. Uh, he brought me in twice. Uh, let's hope third time's the charm. And uh, we'll continue doing what we do. And that is covering this hockey club and just uh, providing content that uh, I know that uh, this hungry fan base uh, wants and can't get enough of. And so I, I look forward to having a, an outlet, uh, a weekly outlet. Uh, and again, this is on top of all of my, I, I'm not... Uh, you know, exclusive to Canucks Army. Uh, this isn't a career change. Uh, this is me coming on the weekends. We've established it'll be a Sunday column. Uh, you know, Sundays are sort of relaxed generally. Maybe a chance for people to to sit back and uh, just uh, consume 
whatever content I can come up with. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to get going. Uh, timing is great here. Obviously, the start of the season next week. So, uh, haven't come up with the, the first column idea just yet. Working through that with Dave. Uh, we'll have something for you, though, as we launch a to-be-named column on Sunday <laughs> at Canucks Army. Patterson's ponderings. Mm-mm. So... In in in, in I got my I that. got my resignation letter typed up actually <laughs> right now. Uh, it's just sitting here on in a file. Did you have any ponderings uh, at this Abbotsford game? You were there last night. You obviously made the drive out to Abbotsford. We yeah. were just talking about it. We were talking about how it was kind of hard to have any takeaways from that game. But Jeff, you won't disappoint us. What 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 takeaways, if any? did you have from that game? Ponderings, one might call them. No, they won't. Yeah, I mean, it felt like one of those split squad games of the past that usually kick off the preseason with the lineups that the two teams iced this late in the preseason. Uh, it, it was a dull game. I mean, let's be honest. The shots were 4-2 to two in the first period uh, in the Canucks' favor. Seattle had two shots. The Kraken didn't have a shot in the first 15 minutes, and it kind of felt that way, although they possessed the puck an awful lot in the uh, first period, I thought. But, uh, and, and, you know, they finished the night with 15 shots on goal. Actually, thought Casey DeSmith had to make the better saves uh, than, you know, the two goaltenders that the Kraken used. Uh, I heard you guys, so just before I joined, and, and I think I'm like a lot of people, like, you know, you couch everything with, yes, it's the preseason, but there are some red flags here. There's no alarm bells ringing, but there are some red flags. And it does come back to this idea that they scored eight goals in five games and obviously got shut out uh, 10 nothing in that first one. But if you dig a little deeper, I mean, five goals at even strength. So that is a concern. Beyond that, the eight goals, three from Quinn Hughes, last name from Carson Soucy. There's half of the Canucks offense in the preseason from defensemen. Now, they were dead last in the NHL in terms of goals from defensemen in the league last year. So maybe that's a silver lining that they're getting some offense from the back end. Can that continue? And maybe it's going to have to continue. Like maybe they're going to lean on a little bit of uh, contributions from the blue line while some of these other guys sort things out. But I just think by this stage of the preseason, you want others than Quinn Hughes and Thatcher Demko to be your best players. You know what you're getting from Demko and Hughes, and that's great. They look like they're in midseason form and ready to go. But yeah, I mean, this supporting cast, we've been told all summer that the Canucks are deeper and therefore they're going to be better. And there are going to be some nights when Elias Pettersson's held in check or he just doesn't have his good stuff going. And that's when you need others. And so, you know, when you think back at opening day of training camp and Hoaglander and Pud Colson, you know, getting this opportunity on these lines, legitimate NHL lines. And one guy's now in Abbotsford and the other guy uh, might be the extra forward when they open next week against the Oilers. And so that's been disappointing, but it goes way beyond that. Uh, You know, Anthony Bovillier has just been silent through the preseason, kind of whiffed on the chance at the side of the net last night. Uh, Dakota Joshua has not had a particularly good camp and and preseason, maybe got a little better than that opening night when he got called out by the coach, but on and on it goes, Nils Mon, you know, you would just like somebody somewhere along the line to sort of step up and have a moment or two through the preseason that we all take note of. Instead, like it's been this search party for anybody that you would consider a depth scorer on this hockey club. And so I do have some reservations that this team is any better in that regard you know, the names change, but ultimately what you're getting from your fourth liners, you go back to Beagle and Schaller and Lamico and Highmore. And, you know, last year it was Curtis Lazar was here. And there's just, there's no bottom line for any of these guys. And I think in the modern NHL, like you have to have something like raise the bar a little bit in this market. The bar has been so low for so long now. I'm not expecting those guys to be game breakers, 
But if the Canucks are going to have success and get better as an organization, they do have to win some of these battles at the fringes. And that's where it's not enough. I, I keep saying like, too many guys are just wearing a uniform here in the preseason. And that's what it kind of feels like for me. It's it's interesting because you look at that third line the way we kind of see it set. It's going to be Bavillier, it's going to be Suter, it's going to be Garland. There might be some names moved around here, but you think about the offense that could come from that trio in a third line role, and I feel like on paper you're thinking, okay, I'm feeling pretty confident about the production I'm going to get out of my third line. We've seen that line together a lot in the preseason, get a good amount of games together. Haven't really seen much of them. What's your expectation for that third line when they're getting bottom six matchups in the regular season? Yeah, I don't know about you, Chris, because you were there last night and Quads probably watched the stream, but like I actually thought Pia Suter was one of the better Canucks last night. And he got an elevated role playing in an offensive situation, right? Like they didn't have Pedersen, they didn't have Miller. So uh, essentially the top line center with Kuzmenko and, and Bovillier, I thought Pia Suter had some nice moments in a game that was lacking a, a lot of them. I think he's quietly had a decent preseason. I think you see the smarts and the savvy almost every time he's out there. And so like, I'm excited. To see, like, I think it was a good signing, and, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. I do wonder if Dakota Joshua is going to find his way onto that line just because we know Tockett loves his wall work and board battles and big bodies and all those types of things, and is there enough heft if you go with the trio that, that you mentioned? But you know, these are things that are going to be ironed out here in the final preseason game, and then obviously uh, practices up until uh, that opening night against the Oilers next week. So I, I, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from P.S. Suter, uh, I think he and Garland basically have been in lockstep since day one of training camp. And, and I think that's something that they are going to continue there. You know, is this the year that Connor Garland gets to the 20 goal mark for the first time in Vancouver? Uh, again, you want to believe so. Even in a third line capacity, raise the bar. It's okay to have some expectations. I'm not thinking that he's going to be a 40 goal scorer, but I don't think it's too much to ask at his price point to be a 20 goal scorer. And P.S. Suter is the best center that he's had. Uh, in his time here in Vancouver. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that the potential is there for that third line. The fourth line, I still don't know if the fourth line is, I mean, Tockett has name-checked a few times this week, you know, Bluger with Amon and Studnika. And so taking the coach's word, that kind of looks like it might be the fourth line. You know, and he said the other day after practice out at UBC that he thinks you know, that, that that can be an identity line. Hmm. Identity. Like, I don't know. That's one of those buzzwords, right? I, what identity? What is the identity? What is the identity of that line? What's the identity of this hockey club? Uh, I'm not sure that anybody fully knows at this point, but I do worry on too many nights that that fourth line, as constructed there, like I just I don't know what you're. And there's some penalty killing utility from those guys, obviously, but beyond that, at five on five, I'm not sure what the expectations could really be uh, in terms of offensive output. Are you buying what we're seeing from the Canucks penalty kill? It was another good night for them last night. We've penalty seen kill, Sewer, yeah. It, it looks yeah. and feels different. It just does. And I had somebody push back uh, on social. The other, imagine that. Uh, somebody pushing back on social. But I, you know, the game against the Oilers the other night, and I know that McDavid and Dreisaitl weren't here. Like, yes, context matters. But just watching the Canucks, the way that they're standing guys up at the line, like Carson Soucy, I don't think, had a great preseason. But on the penalty kill, like, he is an eraser at the blue line. Like, he disrupts. He's got the long reach. Uh, he's physical, and I do think that's an area that he's contributed. You know, Ian Cole had a bit of a rough go against the Oilers on Saturday, but otherwise, I, I think I've liked what I've seen from him through camp, and I do think just all of his experience, uh, years in the league, familiarity with Tockett from their time in Pittsburgh, all those things. Like, I think Ian Cole is going to be a nice addition to this hockey club. Again, this you know, he's not going to 
feature in the highlights very often. I just think he's going to be a calming, steadying influence. And for the most part in the preseason, you know, things have been relatively quiet around him. So, yeah, I mean, that is one thing that is encouraging. Now, dead last penalty kill sunk them on so many nights last year. Only one way to go, and that's up. You know, how far up? I guess we'll find out. Like, is it possible? Is there a world in which the biggest strength or biggest weakness of this hockey club the last couple of years could be a strength? I'm not sure that I'm prepared to go that far just yet, but, you know, I thought Teddy Bluger looked really good at the game in Edmonton uh, when the Canucks were there. What was that? Just over a week ago. Uh, You know, and then you look at like Philip Ronick, I think looked really good. I thought even last night in Abbotsford, uh, I know people were kind of dumping on him for the the first cracking goal, but otherwise uh, the the games that Philip Ronick has played moves the puck reasonably well. He's been physical, you know, how much are they going to lean on him? Probably an awful lot. But I think that when I look at individual performances, just on the evaluation front in these exhibition games, I think Philip Ronick's looked kind of like the player that uh, they hope that uh, he's going to be and, and that he's going to have to be, obviously, for this team to take some strides forward. So, yes, penalty kill has looked good. I, I put that on the list of positives from the preseason. But I also agree with Rick Tockett, and he said this last night postgame, that yeah, you know, double-edged sword. Great that the penalty killing is looking a lot better, but they're taking way too many penalties. And they're coming up on the short end of the penalty count on almost a nightly basis. McWard had three the other night against Edmonton. Last night, Breezebois had a couple. So, you know, cut back on the penalties so that maybe you're not doing as much penalty killing, but that's what preseason's for the evaluation. And that is an area that I do think you can just see it looks and it feels different. And that's a good thing because it uh, has been so dreadful for the last couple of years. Jeff, biggest story from the weekend, Vasily Colson heading down to the AHL. I'm curious, are you leaning more towards this being a step back or a step towards actually developing Vasily Colson here? What do you think should come from this AHL stint to Vasily Colson? Yeah, I mean, I want him ultimately to sort of take stock of why other guys were able to get noticed in this preseason like Archie Baines people obviously want to see him succeed but you know he did the types of things that get noticed like Pod Colson when he was in there again one of these guys that just wore a uniform in his preseason game like this isn't his first rodeo this isn't like I, I expected more from him and so I'm going to try to see it as positive that you know get him down and talk and talk a little bit about a post game last night like he wasn't one of the guys that was given the quick recall to play in the game last night and the coach just said, like, he's in Abbotsford. Just leave him there and let him play. And and I, I kind of agree with that thinking from the organization. Like, to me, that would be mixed messaging if all of a sudden you're recalling Pod Colson after setting him down and it's just this yo-yo. Like, no, he's in Abbotsford now. Like, play him. Hopefully they play him in a bunch of different situations. I hope that he's, you know, in a top six role. Certainly if he's not in a top six role in Abbotsford as a 22-year-old uh, first-round top 10 guy, then there are some questions that have to be asked. But I'm a big believer in Jeremy Colleton and the work that he's doing there, uh, the twins and his hands-on as they've been both at the NHL level and the AHL level. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm prepared to give this a developmental year, but there does have to be some sort of payoff because at this time next year, if Facilipod Colson arrives as a 23-year-old and still you know doesn't have the makings of an NHLer, well, Matt Boldy and Cole Caulfield are out there ripping up the NHL, you know, like when you're 23, like, you know, that's five years removed from your draft. Like it has to happen or maybe it's not going to happen. So don't want to write the guy off yet. I mean, you just think of the dysfunction of the organization and his time in it with all of the head coaches and management changes and those types of things. But ultimately 
I, I need to see Vasily make some strides. I, I want the organization to work with him, but a lot of it comes down to the player too. And this just feels like a massive year, almost a, a make it or break it year for him to be something for the Vancouver Canucks. Jeff, great stuff as always. Very happy to have you on the team at Canucks Army. Give it some thought. Aaron, do we have it here? Give it some thought, Jeff. Give it some thought. <laughs> That's me just out uh, in the weeds uh, with my thoughts, deep in thought. <laughs> okay. All right. yeah. Jeff Patterson, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff, thank you for joining us. Much All right, guys. We'll see you at the rink. Sorry about that, Jeff. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with that. There he is, Jeff Patterson, joining us here on the show. Going to be a regular with us. We're still working on the day um, for Jeff. Looking, I think we might end up getting a Tuesday or Thursday type of thing uh, with Jeff. That feels like a good day here regular on the show. Um, any takeaways there? You want to get anything uh, in from – you have another alliteration word with uh, peas that you want to throw out here? No, I, I, I will eventually, but the one thing I want to focus on is Jeff's final answer there, not about Patterson's ponderings, about Vasily Podkolzin, and he brought up what Rick Tockett said last night about, you know, not getting Vasily Podkolzin into the game. I think it was Farhan who asked the question, and basically Tockett just said, if he plays and he plays poorly, you guys call him a bust, and if he plays and doesn't play well, you say he should be an Abbasford or whatever, right? Um, maybe getting those mixed up. But regardless, Taka basically just said there's no value for him playing in that game. And it's hard to disagree with that. I think that's very sound logic. Let him just go down there, you know, kind of just have everything steady. He gets a full training camp with the Abbotsford coaching staff. Like we said yesterday, the Sedins were out there. That's got to be good for him. Mm-hmm. Play in that role. Just kind of get sheltered away from all that. I'll tell you what, we're having Abbotsford Canucks guests on this season. I'll bet you we're not giving Vasily Podkolz at any point because they want this guy to just focus on hockey. And that's a good thing. Like, I'd love to have him on the show, but that's a good thing that he just gets to kind of go down, get away from it all, and just focus. He'll have to talk to you every now and then when you go out to Abbotsford for media. But, like, it, just getting out of the spotlight a little bit is going to be really good for Vasily Podkolz, I think. Yep. No, I agree as well, and I think it's time to find what role you want to have at the NHL level. The AHL is going to give him that opportunity, so I'm excited to see that. Hey, let's talk about Greta for a second, okay? Next Saturday, October 14th, I've been seeing people are sending DMs. The tickets, we're selling more than the Oilers Nation folks, okay? They got an army over there. We got Canucks army. It's better than the army they got for those oily boys over there. Uh, There's already snow on the ground in Edmonton, uh, I bet. So, I, you know, that's what I'm saying. Over here, it's nice. We got beautiful weather out here. You can get the back cam up. Uh, it's gorgeous here in Vancouver. Next Saturday, we're over at Greta. Saturday, October 14th, Greta, Vancouver. $10 tickets, quads. What does it come with? Entry for prizes that we're going to be giving away. Canucks Army prizes, some other prizes as well. Uh, you got to talk to the sales guy about that. He's got prizes. And on top of the entrance for $10, you get $30 of arcade play money. So you get $30 to play the bop machine in there. Whoever gets the high score on the bop uh, I'll give you something from Canucks Army here. We got some stuff for you. I'm bringing some stuff. And on top of all that, $2 hot dogs. I'll be emceeing. Really excited about it. Greta, next Saturday, get your tickets. Uh, lots of information over on the Canucks Army Instagram, uh, Twitter, all those accounts. Lots of uh, links. Also, the links here in the description if you're watching on YouTube. Or if you're listening on the podcast, it's in the podcast description as well. You can't miss it. Uh, so get your tickets, $10, and it goes to support the great kids, or the great folks, and the good kids too, I guess, that kid sport there, uh, raising money for some good kids to get an opportunity to play some sports and all that stuff. That's all good stuff there. Uh, so I'm excited for Greta next Saturday. Yep, going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually appalled that I can't make it. Like I said, I've said every time we bring it up, I'll be in Edmonton, but I'll be watching from afar. 
uh, and I'm very, very sad that I can't be there. But don't be like me, folks. Make sure you get out there. Make sure you're at that event. It's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, Chris, like you said, you're going to be emceeing that event. Going to be a chance to meet a lot of fine folks, uh, Canucks fans. You're going to meet a lot of different Canucks fans that you haven't met before. And hey, we keep saying it. All those Canucks Army commenters, we want to see you out there too. And I want to see you. Well, Favor wants to see you. I'm not going to be there. I'd like to see you. But we're going to have other events down the line. But yes, don't miss this one on Saturday, October 14th at Greta Bar YVR. Okay, you want to talk about the AHL lineup. Let's get this in, Chris. Uh, what do you What do you have for us well, on the I, AHL lineup? I here? put it in the, uh, I believe it was the Blackfish report. I put it in this past week, just kind of seeing the way it's going to shape out, specifically with uh, Vasily Podkolzin getting sent down. And it's a pretty exciting young lineup here that I put together. And I think we're, we're going to be interested to see what happens with Cole McWard. I think he was, you know, him being sent out to the media yesterday, he's feeling pretty good about what he's done this preseason. Looks like he might get a shot. I think it's going to really show whatever the lineup is uh, for the final preseason game, if it's Noah Juleson or Cole McWard getting that opportunity. That'll tell us a lot about uh, what we're going to see on opening night. But, man, I'm looking at this forward group. Top line, Vasily Podkolzin, Sheldon Dries, Linus Carlson, who led the team in goals last year for the AHL Canucks. That's a fun top line in the AHL. Obviously, you have Sheldon Dries, who's just a ridiculous scorer at the AHL level. Second line, some young guys, Aiden McDonough at left wing. Max Sasson at center. Tristan Nielsen there on the right wing is where I stuck him. Put him in the top six. Then you get a third line of like Arshdeep Baines, Atu Ratu, Danila Klimovic. Just some exciting young players out here in Abbotsford. It's just, it's wild. I don't know if anybody was really following the Utica Comets like over the past few years before they moved to Abbotsford. You're looking at the Utica Comets and you're getting like all veterans, like right? Or young guys that were never going to make it. There's, there's some exciting prospects here. To have a third line of Baines, Ratu, and Klimovic. That's going to be a lot of fun for the folks out in Abbotsford. Then my fourth line, a little bit of a grinders and some tough guys, John Stevens, Chase Waters, the captain, uh, and Jermaine Lowen, who's going to be a little bit of the, the Big Vinny replacement from the way I've heard, former uh, captain of the Kamloops Blazers. So we'll see what he's all about. And then on defense, man, Akito Hirose, Jet Wu maybe as your top pairing. Jack Rathbone, we'll see what happens with his future with the Vancouver Canucks, but for now he's there at camp. you got Matt Irwin to help up on the left side as well, and then we'll have to see what happens with the cuts for the defense. It could be Noah Juleson, could be Cole McWard, uh, and then Phil Johansson, he'll get some time out there as well on the right side. And then uh, Artie Party, you got your buddy there, Artur Silas. We're going to see him as the starter. There it is. Artie Party starting out there in Abbotsford. So we'll have to see that. And then then I'm curious, do you think – it's going to be Tolo Pilo just for the fact that they want the young kid to get some minutes. People are calling it an arty party when you're in that. I got you really quiet here, Quads. I don't know if anyone, if, if that's just me, but I got you really my bad, quiet. My bad, my okay, bad. Yep, you. my bad, my bad. That that was my fault. Okay, sorry. What I was saying was that with Tolo Pilo, I don't know if we're going to see him... In the ECHL, like I know a few people brought it up, like, yeah, he could play a lot. He's going to play a lot in the AHL as the other guy too, right? And, mm. you know, they have that agreement with Kalamazoo, so I suppose it's an option, but I don't think you need to need to send him down to the ECHL. Like, I don't know about you, Chris, you give your take as well, but to me, Tolapila looks like a guy who's going to be ready to play in the AHL. Like, I think, I think he's AHL ready, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I saw some in the preseason that made you a little bit uh, excited about what he could have potentially, and then I'd rather see him play than Sachenko. I mean, I feel like I've dumped on Zach Sachenko really hard throughout the offseason, but it's like, you know, I'm more excited to see what Tolapilo can do, and if he can't perform, then get him down to the ECHL after that and have him play minutes, and they might just run with three goalies out there because Sachenko with his contract, he can block being sent down to the ECHL. 
Um, Tolapilo, I don't believe can because he's on an entry-level contract. Um, so I think we'll have to see what happens here. Uh, I think it's going to end up being Tolapilo, but, man, if they start playing Sachenko, then it wouldn't surprise me to see Tolapilo go. Now that they have the, the connection with the Kalamazoo Wings, they can do it pretty easily. And it's not the worst thing. Hey, Archer Silov's last season was playing in the ECHL. Look at him now, right? Like, it's not the worst thing in the world. It just happens to can goalies you, that are young. Can I give you a take that's away from this AHL? Do you have anything else on the AHL before I move away from it? Because I have a take that I just want to get out there. No, I'm good. Okay. We just saw Calfoot pass through the waivers, went unclaimed, right? Mm. We saw Jacob Bernard Docker unclaimed, all these guys, right? We saw Lassie Thompson not get claimed by the Canucks, although obviously um, he was going to be able to be claimed ahead of them, obviously. But, like, we don't know if they put in a claim is what I'm trying to say. But what I'm trying to actually say here, Chris, is it feels like the Canucks are going to make a trade, right? Like, like I that that's what, at least my take. I, I, I don't think you let these flyers on the waiver wire go by the wayside. And I understand the situation was a little complicated with Cal Foot, But if you're the Canucks, I feel like you don't let these players go through without having an idea that you're going to be able to bring someone in, specifically on the right side, that you feel a little bit more confident in than Cole McWard. And this isn't a knock on Cole McWard. It's just that I'm looking at the quality of the players that are going through the waiver wire. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Canucks need to compete right away. Like, if this was five years ago when we were talking, yeah, okay, you want to develop Cole McWard into this, you know, NHL defenseman, and you're going to do that by putting him in the NHL. That's one thing. But the Canucks need to win right now. And I think we're going to see that in a lot of their decision-making. So I'm just, I'm I'm a little bit, not shocked. I, I'm just curious. To me, this To me, this spells out that they're going to be making a trade at some point. I think they're going to be bringing in someone on the right side. I, I don't think this is the opening night lineup. And like, I, I really think we're going to see something between now and opening night. I don't think they're going to roll with Cole McWard on the first pair. I just, I, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. I just think that, uh, I don't think that's realistic because I think that they would have wanted to make that trade before training camp and preseason to be able to get them in. If that was their intention on the right side, I think their intention is to play Cole McWard on the right side on opening night. I think that's what they're, they've been showing us throughout, uh, not necessarily training camp, but at least the preseason he's been getting a good run. He's here on this roster when there's only a couple cuts left and, I just think it would be strange to go through preseason, and then make a trade, and just bring this guy and put him in the lineup with Quinn Hughes. But hey, it wouldn't shock it wouldn't shock me either. I, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't think that's the smartest idea of how to bring in your top pairing right shot defenseman. But I also don't know if it's the smartest idea to play the the kid with less than ten NHL games either. So yeah, they did it with Ethan Bear last year. Ethan Bear was acquired on October 26th or mm. something like that, maybe 27th. It was late October. I can tell you that much. And hey. Maybe the Carolina Hurricanes. Maybe they're a trade partner. I don't Could know. Be. Brett Pesci. Hurricanes. People throwing it in the chat. Brett Pesci. Columbus. There's a cap situation. Also, quickly, we'll get this in. Speaking of the cap, uh, Gary Bettman yesterday at the Board of Governors meeting threw out a very, what he called, a very preliminary estimate that we were looking at a cap of 87 to $88 million next year. So just mm-hmm. something interesting to keep an eye on. Okay. Interesting. Uh, we'll see what happens there. That's a pretty good jump if we end up seeing that uh, at 82.5. We could end up seeing 5 million. I know it was a very preliminary. I know that was very clearly said by Bettman in the quote about it. So we'll see what happens. Let's get to our Betway bets of the day before we wrap it up here. What do we got here? October 5th is our bet. We've got the over for the Canucks at 89.5 points. You're getting it at even odds 
to go over 89.5. So that means they need 90 or more points this season. That's going to get you $20 back on a $10 bet. Quads, do you think the Canucks get to 90 points this season? They were at 83 last year with a 38, 37, and 7 record. Even odds here to be 90 points or more for the Vancouver Canucks. Yep. Yeah, I'm buying. I'm I'm drinking the Kool Aid. I'm drinking the Kool Aid. We talked to Frank. He said they're ahead of the Seattle Kraken. I'm I'm drinking the Kool Aid. Okay, fair enough. Are you? Is the Kool Aid is the Kool Aid sweet enough <laughs> for you to go plus one thirty on them to make the playoffs? Because then you get a ten dollar bet. You're returning yourself twenty three on that. So you get a little three dollar bump to talk about playoffs here. I think so because. I want to talk playoffs. Like I want, I want to watch playoff hockey. Like that's the thing is everybody says, yeah, yeah. The media hates the team. No, we don't. We just want to see some playoff hockey. Mm. Like we we don't love the team. We're not cheering, but we want to cover playoffs. Like we want to cover a playoff team. It's always way more fun to cover a winner. Just even that, how much fun we had when they were in the bubble there. Like that was, that was peak, peak Canucks combo. That was so much fun. The podcast we were doing, getting there early in the morning, back at my grandpa's house when we used to have a studio in there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I don't know. I don't want to keep uh, reminiscing too much, but yes, I am taking that over on Betway. And if you want to take it over on Betway, Whoa. be sure that you were 19 plus to play. And if you play, please play responsibly. What about you? What Over 90, you taking it as well? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to bet the under. The under was actually at minus one forty two, so you're not even getting even odds. So I would take the even odds at ninety or more. I would really hope. I think once the penalty kill gets a little, like if the penalty kills worse than the league, geez, give me the under. But I mean, if they can get themselves to like twenty third, twenty fourth, it's going to make a massive difference to this team and how they can. You know, start to push towards being a playoff team, but I think 90 points is something that's very attainable for the Vancouver Canucks this season, and I think getting even odds, feel pretty good about that one as well. i, I got to get this in, too. I missed yesterday uh, my word of the day, and I've been slacking on them because I, the brain's not, I'll be honest, I'm in, I got wedding brain right now, so it's not great, but I missed a, a word yesterday that I, that I know well, and I don't know if you would know, but I know this word extremely well. Quaj, do you know what dunnage is? No, I don't. See? It was a word of the day yesterday, and I missed it. I felt bad that I couldn't use it in the show uh, because dunnage, we used a lot at the mill. You would put it between, like, uh, so when I did a stack of wood, I was in the compactor, and you see them going down. You see them on the semis going down, like, those big, uh, big you know, what are we going to talk about? Like, the blocks of wood together. There's dunnage underneath to keep them apart because, obviously, you can't just stack all the wood on one thing. you got to put them in little piles to each other. Dunnage, dunnage gets strapped to the bottom, and I missed it. <laughs> I missed it yesterday. So I was too bad you about that. It. Yeah. Okay. We'll close it out there. Uh, do you have anything else for the fine people before we wrap up? You're getting married. The last time you go on this show, you will be a married man. Hopefully not wearing that lobster shirt at your wedding, but no, uh, no. you're going to be a married man. No, day after. But uh, no, I've, uh, yeah, next time you see me, I'll have a ring on my finger and uh, it's about damn time. Get that thing. I had to get a custom fit because I got the fattest fingers uh, you'll ever see. I got real fat fingers. Uh, big, big hands. And uh, actually, I remember Botch one time when, when Shotgun Jake was a thing. Botch had it in the Provies one time. Of It was just like, look at the meat claws on this guy. It was me. It was me <laughs> doing a Shotgun Jake. And like the can, like cans look pretty, like this is a big can. It looks pretty, like this is one of the tall cans. It looks pretty small in my hands. Uh, and I remember Botch had that one time in the Provies. So like the, he's like the meat claws on this boy, on this guy here, the just Shotgun Jake uh, era. So. Uh, the ring was custom. <laughs> I had to, like I went in to try on just because I'm just getting like a simple gold ring, 
And, uh, and yeah, like they couldn't, uh, they didn't have one for me to try on in the store. So I had to get it custom made. It came in, it fits well. So that's good. Fantastic. But yeah, looking well, forward to I, it. It's going to be, last show. yeah, it's going to be a very fun, uh, very fun day. Looking forward to it. Uh, and this is my last show before that. So, uh, I'll see everybody on. And by the way, Monday, no show because of Thanksgiving, uh, Harmon will be with you on Tuesday. Cause I'm still, uh, I'm still going to be over on the Island on Tuesday. Um, so you and Harmon are taking over Friday tomorrow and Tuesday as well. So yeah. Uh, and yes, I'll be going to Costco. Jesse's making fun of my Costco hot dog fingers. I'll be going there tomorrow. I got to pick up some stuff for uh, the wedding, some Gatorades throughout the day and things like that. So yeah, thanks everyone. I appreciate everyone in the chat, uh, all the nice things about the wedding here. I appreciate it. Uh, Jeremy, Lisa, Sam, everybody, Jesse, everybody in the chat, Jarhead. Uh, hell of a everybody. Thank you to everybody in the chat. I appreciate it. I'm very much looking forward to getting married uh, to the love of my life and uh, can't wait for Sunday. I wish I could, fa- man, if I could close my eyes and wake up Sunday morning, that's the one wish I have right now. I'm so tired of these days leading up to it. I just want to get over there and get the day started. I'm, I'm very excited for the day. Are we, uh, are we golfing on your wedding day? Did we decide that? Are hell we yeah. doing that? We got a tea time yet. Okay. We're uh, golfing in the morning because we don't have like uh, that's why I feel bad. My fiance's up at five in the morning. She's got the hair, the hair lady on there, and banging on her door at five thirty in the morning to do her hair and makeup and all these things. Listen, we don't have to get start getting ready till like an hour before, pretty much, right? Like that gives <laughs> us plenty of time to put a little bit of gel in our hair and shave our necks a little bit, and like that's all. That's all we really got to do and put on the suits. Like this, we could do it in probably seven minutes if we're being honest. But to her, it's like a whole day affair. Obviously, she's gonna look beautiful. Very excited to to see her come down the aisle. Uh, guarantee I tear up. I can guarantee that, that I tear up for when that happens. So I'm very excited for that moment and, uh, and the whole day. So, uh, thanks to everyone. Enjoy the next two shows with, uh, Harmon and quads, these young bucks letting, uh, the show run wild over the next two shows, but I'll be back on Wednesday. Wednesday. Beautiful. Uh, I'm hoping somebody films my closing speech, my closer, when the closer walks up. Uh, films my speech and puts it on the Canucks Convo Patreon. I'm hoping that happens. So I'll leave it at that. But we're all very, oh, it's, uh, that's our, that's our meeting. That's our meeting. We got to go. <gasps> oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah we'll wrap it that's up. That's why uh, we, we're Michael, supposed to be early today. And our technical producer, uh, Aaron Bordador. Thanks again to Jeff Patterson, newest addition to the Canucks Army. Uh, my name is David Wujelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Quads and Faber. New episodes every weekday, 1.30 across the board, except for Wednesdays, 1 o'clock. We'll see you there live on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. For more information, visit CanucksArmy.com. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?